Landline. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Landline Podcast. I am your host, Alex McKay. Today on Landline, we have a riveting discussion with the Landline sports crew. Mike in Chile, Chris in upstate New York, talking Patriots, talking the meaning of life, talking Halloween costumes, trying to figure out how to pay off student debt, all the things you're interested in, my friends. So settle in, have a good time, listen to our pod. You can find more pods at www.talkforaliving.com. Enjoy. Mike? Aldo. Nice. All right. Sorry, this fucking guy next door is cutting his lawn, and he's been doing it for like the last two hours. And he just won't stop. He's done. The lawn is done, and he keeps cutting it. <laughs> going over the same spot. I'm looking at it right now. Sorry. I didn't know you lived in a landscaped neighborhood. Well, it's this guy has a lawnmower, and he thinks he's t- like hot shit because of it. And so he's just basically cutting his lawn every other day. Oh, I can hear it. It's good. It's good background. Uh, um, okay. We'll get more back into that. Let me call Baker. One second. Good morning. Good morning. You guys both there? Baker. Good morning, Michael. Hey, how are you? Feeling great. Are you refreshed today? No. No, I was just going to say, like, I can't carry you guys today because I'm hungover as shit. <laughs> I can't wait till this podcast turns it into, into an intervention on Mike. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of material. <laughs> it's like I'm going to run into your parents in downtown Hanover and be like, oh, yeah, if you ever just want to, like, feel like you are got to be in touch with Mike, just listen to our podcast. And they listen to, like, three of them, and they're like, Michael, I think you have an Michael. alcohol problem. <laughs> It's true, like every week, it's, uh, it's not something new. Well, it's life in Chile. What did you do last night? Uh, it was the Halloween party. Um, oh, yeah. Out, which is like, there's probably like five parties a year that they do, and this is one of them. And so, like, everybody in the town was at the party. Kids from, like, 12 years old to, like, 75-year-old ladies were there until you know five o'clock in the morning last night it was ridiculous so fun yeah yeah it was great what did you dress up as Mike? um well we so my friend who's this girl from vermont who lives down here she's like big into dia de los muertos and so we had a big party before the party for dia de los muertos and uh so we all like painted our faces as skeletons but um, I don't know. It was just a shit show. The the so night that food. the night that uh, my relationship with my future wife was consummated was she was dressed up as Los Muertos, Dadia Los Muertos. Ooh. However you say that. Wait, was she? Did 
did she have face paint on? She had face paint on. <laughs> and I was dressed up as uh, Sergeant Dingle from Reno 911. Dingleberry? Whatever his Dang. name. Dangle. Dangle. Yeah, I didn't even know what his name was. Uh, um, and yeah, she had the whole face paint on with like a black bodysuit and uh, black or uh, bones, you know, painted on her black bodysuit. That's a story from the grandkids. Yeah. <laughs> it was a crazy night. Um, so then you go to that party then you go to like what do you guys do until five in the morning like what is just chatting or dancing what are people doing yeah this is, this is they're just speaking thing. spanish what do you yeah of course well no well so we went to the to the party at one o'clock in the morning and um like it was just like and there was nobody there Everybody showed up at like one thirty or two, and so like at two o'clock the party started. It's just ridiculous. I was I was thinking like I just want to sit people in Chile down and be like, look, gotta get this we didn't going put earlier. a man yeah we didn't put a man on the moon with this kind of behavior. Like you can't be staying out <laughs> until like in the morning and expect to like function as a society. Like this can't just this is just not good behavior. Um, but no, it was it was just. Like it was like a disco. Like it was like crazy dancing. Um, as I said, like all of my former, like all fifteen-year-old kids. So like all my former students were there, just getting shit-faced. Um, people throwing up outside. It was like a high school rager party. It was crazy. <laughs> Sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. Chris, what did you do for Halloween? Um, I played some soccer last night, and. Uh... Went to Chipotle, got a <laughs> nice burrito, got a nice Mexican burrito there, and then uh, I actually have a lot, I actually have a large list. I told you earlier, I got a long list of things I got to get taken care of this weekend. Unfortunately, between presentations and I'm still closing up that house that I sold. And back when I hang up with you guys, I got to go over there and, and uh, meet Kaja, the. Uh, the uh, immigrant worker uh, cleaner that doesn't uh, speak any English on the telephone, but she and I are gonna. Where's she from? Uh, Latvia. Oh, okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. She was Spanish. You could put her on the phone with me. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, that would have been perfect. So yeah, I gotta meet meet Kaja, and she's got a list of things of cleaning supplies I need to pick up on the way over. And then she and I are going to attack that house. So that'll be the end of it, though. And it'll be smooth sailing from here on out. So I don't know. I'm kind of, you know, Halloween in the U.S. is kind of like I was sitting outside of Chipotle last night, kind of watching these idiots walk by. And I guess I, it's kind of fall. I guess I was never really that into it. It was kind of fun when I was in college and stuff, but I just kind of, I don't know, kind of over it. But, I don't know how you feel about it, Alex, but I just feel like it's just like an excuse for a lot of girls to like dress really sluttily and a lot of guys to act like complete morons. Well, I think a lot of things. I think, first of all, that we just illustrated why this podcast is such a um, trailblazer in podcasting, which is 
we bridge the gap between people who are employing immigrants and people who have become immigrants. So, <laughs> and uh, the other thing that I think of with regard to American Halloween is I kind of I was thinking about this last night. I stayed at home last night, begged my wife to finish my PowerPoint presentation for my rocket pitch upcoming on Friday, which we can check in about after I do it, and. Then we watched Sixth Sense. I've never seen Sixth Sense before, so we watched that. Um, and then watched the, a little bit of the Mets game. But what I think, Baker, is that with the rise of sort of social media and, I don't know, like when we were kids, even when we were in college, there was this sort of unknown um, element of what other people did in other places. Just, you know, you know, maybe, yeah. you know, in, in Madison, Wisconsin, Halloween is like this, and in... You know, Berkeley, it's like this. And in Austin, it's like this. And in, you know, this town in Florida, it's like this. And there's like all these traditions. And now everything has just been commodified to Facebook, Twitter, and television. And basically, it's just all been made into one single Halloween. Like, you know, 15 minutes of Mike and Mike in the morning is talking about which are your favorite flavors of candy. And it's like all the candies they're listing are you know, M&Ms and Mars bars and all, I don't know. It's that, that's like a whole nother tangent, but it's like, there's no, there's no individuality anymore. So the story that Mike told is so nice to hear just cause it's like this celebration of the day and the day of the dead, which is what Halloween is all about. Right. It's supposed to be scary. And then other than that, it's like a big commercial for like making sure your kids don't get hit by a drunk driver and, Figuring out like what piece of shit plastic Halloween you're gonna buy that was made in China at the pop up Halloween store, and like that's what that's what's the most frustrating thing to me. Like I went the other day, we were Wizard of Oz characters on Friday, all of us, the twelve residents. So you know there was Dorothy and and I was the ba- I was the cowardly uh, lion and whatever. So I went out for like yeah, I went out to go look for that costume. And I walk into this, like, pop-up Halloween store, which I've been in before and have never been impressed by. And I, like, while you walk around, and all you see is just, like, plastic everywhere. And you're like, you're going to spend $50 on this piece of shit costume that's, like, you know, not even going to fit you well. And you end up throwing it away at the end of the night just to, I mean, it's just, I don't know. That whole thing bothers me. And then it's like, you can't, no one's creative anymore. I don't know. There's plenty of creative people. I, I guess that's a bad statement, but I don't know. Well, but they're... they're... Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. Oh, uh, well, I was just going to say, like, getting back to what you were saying, Alex, too, it's like, it's, it's not being, like, seen online, being seen and, like, putting the pictures on your Facebook and stuff is more important now than the actual party. So people care about putting the pictures up on their on their wall or whatever more than they actually care about like being with other people and like actually sharing like a human experience. When Hall- well, there's another, there's another component too, which is, it's always like, I've always found that Halloween is, it's like St. Patty's day to me. Like I don't like St. Patty's day because people, the whole, the whole culture on St. Patty's day is, Oh, it's St. Patrick's day. I'm, I have to get, I'm going to get fucked up tonight. Yeah. It's going to, I'm going to get so drunk. And I'm like, hey, what's wrong with that? It sounds great and all, but the thing that thing that I think that we've always done is we've never like glorified the act of drinking, right? We've like 
Joe has always done it. It's Comple- always completely wrong. Some... Completely wrong. But keep... Speak for yourself. Yeah. Keep... I mean, <laughs> like, I that's disagree. good, though. I, I think, no, I disagree with you. I think that, you know, we get together, and we always end up that way. But I don't think, like, how many times have you gone into an evening and been like, so it's Halloween, so I have to get drunk tonight. No, like you, you are going to get drunk tonight if you go out with your friends and hang out with them and have a good time. Like that'll get, that'll be a result, but it's not like the you know, the sole purpose of like the evening, you know? Yeah, I think there's a lot there. I mean, I think for one thing, we're getting older. I think secondly, you know, I agree with you that it was more the the excitement of Halloween as like teenagers and even. Well, it's teenaging, being a teenager is the best part of Halloween. Maybe you drink yeah. w- when you're not supposed to, like you're drinking in the woods behind somebody's house. You're like, there's mischief going on. You dress up, you're fun, and there's like that, that cool feeling in the air. And especially where we grew up, there was that smell in the air, and there was that oh, yeah. like yeah. that little like temperature change, and it would be like you could see your breath, but there wasn't snow on the ground, and... I mean that was yeah, that was cool. We grew up girl. in a place where Halloween was like perfect for stuff like that. Um, yeah, and we go like meet the like we would never be able to hang out with girls when we were younger, like except for Halloween. Like you'd get out of your house, you'd get out, and like we'd meet up in the street, and it was awesome. Exactly. So we, like not talk to them at all, but we would meet up, and they would be there. <laughs> or like spend two and a half hours talking about how how we should meet up with them, and how were we going to, and like. They were in Norwich and we were in Hanover and we had to figure out how to get there even though it, it's just cool. It had its own like the an entire different world existed then um, yeah. where like we didn't know how to – we couldn't get in a car and just go there. Or if we did, we all couldn't fit or whatever. Somebody would miss something. And the whole lack of cell phones also made it so much better. But I think once you get to college, that's where Halloween jumps the shark because for me, Halloween became am I going to have sex tonight? That was the only – that became the one thing. Girls are going to be dressed up slutty, and they might put out. So, like, get ready. And, of course, taking that approach gets you no action whatsoever. <laughs> so so then that was the element. And then you end up, I mean, I think my, my return to the teenage Halloween was definitely in Bend in Oregon when it became, like, a time to eat mushrooms and have bonfires and ride around on bikes and kind of, like, fuck around. So... I mean, that was a much more, and that's why I think, Mike, your Halloween sounds so cool. You know, our friend Tim has a barn in California. He throws a gigantic party every Halloween where they get, like, everybody in the barn and everyone camps out. And I think that's a probably pretty authentic Halloween experience just because you're kind of, like, stuck in the middle of nowhere in in a decorated barn with a DJ, like, just, like, having a fun time. Um, But I agree. The whole... Once I have to hear about everyone, what are they dressing up as? And and the other element I just want to get in here before we move on is I started to dislike Halloween when I was told I couldn't just get dressed up in a crazy outfit and I had to be something. And I would spend all night long people asking me, what are you? Who are you? Like, what are you supposed to be? And it's like, I'm supposed to be like a freak is what I'm supposed to be. I thought that was what this night was all about. And it was like, what movie, what character from a movie are you supposed to be? Like, what political figure are you supposed to be? And at that point, it's like, well, this is easy. Like, the the most uncreative, unfunny person can figure out how to do Halloween. Then it's, it's I don't want the playing field even. I want to do something, like, shocking that makes everyone feel uncomfortable on Halloween. Well, you're pretty good at that. So, 
No, that comes natural. It's true. <laughs> Um, Wait, can I put in one one story? Yeah, Halloween? there's no, there's no. Honestly, let's just let's just talk about Halloween and then hang up. Who cares about the Patriots? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. But this is I, I don't know. This is what we remind you, like um, when you're saying like trying to hook up with girls. So in college, um, I went to uh, a party at BU, which is in like another part of Boston, um, besides Northeast or like on the other side of the city, basically. And I went like as a like a ping pong player because that was like the last thing that I had like I, I had like really short shorts and like classes and a headband and whatever and um, like a ping pong paddle and I just looked like a fucking idiot and I was trying to hook up with this girl all night and was obviously she Asian? like no no oh. but there were a shit ton of Asians there because it was BU um, but like obviously it didn't end up happening and but I like pushed it so hard that I ended up like sleeping there, like on the like ground b- below her bed, and then woke up in the morning and realized like I have to get back to Northeastern now, and I'm wearing like my same costume, and there was nothing. But- hello, hello. What, what happened? What happened? One second. All right, you guys both there? I'm good. Mike. All right. Hey, Mike. So two things. One, let's not talk about this because I'm about to blow my top. And two, um, talk about what? The the fact that my audio setup sucks if these breaks. <laughs> God damn it! All right, what happened? You walked home from BU in your ping pong outfit. I rode, yeah, I, yeah, I, I just rode on the tee home in my ping pong outfit, and that was it. That was the story. Uh, <laughs> you just fucking killed it, though. <laughs> oh my god! All right. Um. Well, what's next? Patriots. Yeah, we got a well, lot. We got I a lot. A nice... Go ahead, Bakes. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt. No, let me let me just lead in here, and then. <laughs> Let me just lead in here, and I'll let you go. We have a lot to talk about. We have the Jets game to talk about, which was closer than I think we thought. Uh, we have the Miami game to talk about. We have the um, Jets saying that they swept the locker room for bugs. We've got uh, Edelman chugging beers at the Celtics game. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, ultimately, I think the most amazing thing is they're just so much better than everyone else. So that's where I'm at. Um, I What do you think? Mike, you took notes at the Jets game. You want to go back over those? Yeah, well, no, I, I, I don't have them now. <laughs> like, I took notes. I have them. They're, I'm, I'm, in another, I'm not in my house right now. I'm at, like, my, my wife's office, basically. Mm. Um, and I left them at home. But... Um, it was just weird. Like getting back to that, um, the big thing I got from the Jets game was, <clears throat> I was thinking, are the Patriots good? How good are the Patriots? How good are the Jets? Like, how do we know? It's so weird now when they're playing these teams. It's like, are the Patriots that good, or is, are the other teams that bad? So that was like my what I what I kind of 
was left with was, I'm not sure how good this team really is. And um, even like last week, like in, in Miami, I don't think they played that well. And they still kick the shit out of them. So it's, it's weird. I don't know. I, I don't know what you guys think. Baker, go ahead. Well, okay, I'm supposed to go now. Yeah, I mean, so, we, I, I know we, we, I can't call on you every time, but just wait until the sentence is well, Fuck you. Just go. Put, put your hand up. Raise your hand, and that way we'll know who wants to talk. <laughs> well, I just want you guys to know that I was, uh, the last 10 minutes I've been putting books away um, while we were talking because I just, I just put my bookshelf in and I'm trying to organize out of these Rubbermaid containers, like just put some, get some order in here in this new apartment. And I put away, not only did I put away a war room, which I'm going to get into later, reread maybe, which is obviously a great book about Belichick and the Patriots, but <clears throat> right next to it, I placed a Gronking to remember <laughs> by Lacey Noonan. <clears throat> so, well, you got the you got the hard copy. I got yeah, I got the I bought like two or three copies right when Amazon first put it up, because I knew because they have that MHK patch on the cover, I knew that the crafts weren't gonna like that and it wasn't gonna last very long, so I bought a few copies right away. Collector's item. If the dentist thing goes down the tubes, you can always sell those. Yeah, I think this. I think I got a good ten, ten, twelve years left in dentistry, and then I'm gonna do what Mike did. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. Plenty of bad teeth in Chile. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that would be I, Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I don't. I, do you really want to spend your life, like, hunched over? You know? I don't know. That's a different topic. We can get into that another day. But, you know, I've just been thinking a lot about lately, like, you know, the rat race of, uh, like, trying to. You know, we all live it. Alex, you're in it right now with the NBA thing and, like, trying to get your school and you're racking up student debt and i was looking at my student debt loans the other day oh my god i've accrued since april like 30 or forty thousand dollars in interest you know <laughs> so much it's so it's out of hand so i i i i have so much to say on that topic i'm i'm constantly having a middle life crisis all day long every day that's the, like that's all I need. That's how much money I need to like live the rest of my life. I could build a house with that. <laughs> oh my God, unbearable. So anyway, we don't need to get into that. But oh, anyway, I, we sh- we should get into that, but but let's but Mike will lose interest quickly. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just put this way: the, the Patriots to me are the most they're the most dynamic. They're the most flexible. They they. They can adapt to any situation. They got backups on backups. I mean, look at their offensive line. It's been destroyed by injuries this year, and they continue to find a way to get it done. You know, they've got, like, Gronk, and they got Chandler. They got Edelman, and they got Amendola. They got LaFell back now. They got Dobson on the other side when he plays. They got, you know, running backs that you don't know which one's going to play. And at the heart of it, you got Brady just, like, fired up and killing it and he's so he's just on a different level now i mean without brady it doesn't it doesn't work but he's just on a different playing field than the rest of the league and he might not necessarily have like the most like talented team but they have the most diverse team and the most capable team and i think they all like buy into the system 
and I think their secondary is questionable. Um, but I think their front seven, I think you saw that last week against Miami on Thursday, how like dynamic they are. I just, I don't see you know, how any team can, can beat them, but. Well, let's talk about that. How do you, how do you beat them? Like we're not, we're not NFL coaches, but okay. We know that when you, bl- like just from a fan's perspective, we know that when you blitz them, he gets rid of the ball. So they've designed their offense so that there's always someone three or four yards in front of him, right, like straight down the middle. Because when you blitz, there's a hole in the middle where the linebacker should have been that allows someone like Deion Lewis or even Amendola or Edelman or a tight end to be right there, right? I mean, that's the, that's how you counter the blitz. So it's almost like they like it when you have all those guys run because those are the plays where he finds Gronk over the middle to get like a 50-yard pass. So you can't blitz. Is that an accurate assessment of the blitz? Well, yeah. I mean, it's, I think if you take in just look in the, you know, a couple of those plays against the Jets, like, okay, so you're in the third quarter and you got Brady. He, he comes up to the line and he reads the – the protections and he's already reached the defense and he sees that the Jets look as if they're going to take like a full blitz on, right? So he brings Gronkowski in and he moves Amendola, like he yells at him to move him up to the line. So then he brings in the protection, okay? So he gets like, he gets, he gets like safety that way, okay? So he shows them that look and Gronkowski stays in on that play, Okay. Fast forward to like the fourth quarter on the game-winning touchdown or when Gronk scores that touchdown, he does the same thing. He brings Gronkowski in for full protection, or at least that's what it looked like against the blitz. They send the blitz, and instead of blocking, Gronk just like leaks out and he tosses it over. And it was all designed. It was set up like two quarters before. Right. Yeah. So it's just like it's cat and mouse all the time, you know? It's just interesting. It's like... He's the magician, you know, and he's making it work. Mike, what were you going to say? Well, yeah, yeah, that's it. Like, Brady will, if you blitz, Brady will just pick you apart. I think the one thing that they have trouble with is when they don't blitz and they just rush the, like, four uh, defensive linemen or whatever. And if they can put pressure on him, then there isn't that hole, and that's when I think they have problems. So, exactly. So, if I'm trying to beat them, aren't I saying to myself, they're going to score 24 points, whether we play the – if we have, you know, if 75% of our defensive snaps are awesome, but 25% fail, they're still going to score 24 points. So, why not just play some sort of like – I don't know if it's called prevent or not, but why not just let them get 8 yards, 8 yards, 8 yards, 8 yards, and hope that like on one play – out of those eight-yard plays, you either get a deflection for an interception, or you get you force a fumble on one of the receivers, or somebody drops it and you get a three and out, or you can hold them and do a three and out and get a field goal. Because there's no way anyone's gonna beat this team 17-10. The question is, can you beat them 35-28? So I just don't know. Like, what? I guess what I'm trying to say is. You guys are NFL coaches, and you have a losing game plan every single week. Like, how long is it going to take to figure it out? They're not the only – Bill Belichick isn't the only good coach in the NFL. Well, it's because, uh, he's, it's because he's got bugs in the opposing team's locker room. 
he's listening to their pre-speech, <laughs> pre-game speech. No, but it's like he, like what you're saying, Alex. Now it's like they don't do this with other teams. Like a coach isn't like, all right, we're fucked this week. What are we gonna do? Like we have to score this many points. So right there, you're getting out of your game plan. Whatever you're doing, you're doing something that's different for you. And right then, like you you're you're gonna lose like you know if you're, right. if you're trying to do something drastic if you're trying to do something crazy you're gonna lose and i think that thing like if you want to give them eight yards every time they'll kill you they'll, that's exactly what they want that's exactly what there's like i don't understand how you would beat this team it just feels like in a world where there's so much knowledge and there's so much analysis whatever it is politics sports film you know business Rarely is there an entity that's this dominant the way that they are. Like, you know, if they go undefeated and win the Super Bowl, that's one thing. If they don't go undefeated and win the Super Bowl, that's another thing. If they get to the Super Bowl, lose, that's the third thing. But what what is their record over the last twelve years? That's that's the that's the number. It's not it's not yeah. this year. It's that this is now the fifteenth iteration of them beating you guys seventy five percent of the time. So it, it, the sample size is not seven games of this year. The sample size is 2001 to 2015. And I know that they're constantly reinventing the wheel and they're like, even Phil Sims can say what I see is an offense that's always doing the different thing, but there's gotta be some trend going on. They're not like, they're not starting every week from complete scratch. So I, Look, obviously no one Kent has proven to do it, and I do think the fact that Brady is the X factor, he's like, okay, at this point in my career, everyone else would be old, everyone else would have gotten hit more, everyone else would be ready for retirement, and I'm just ramping up. That is sort of the 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 you know, the mix that makes it different than another team. But still, it does seem crazy that they make as you said, Mike, that they make teams look so bad. Because I, I think the Jets are winning 10 games. I think the Jets are winning a playoff game, personally. I think uh, the, the Dolphins just scored like 80-something points coming into the game against the Patriots, and then they scored seven against the Patriots. Right. Seven. So, I don't know. I just, I mean, you know, you go back to saying to what Mike said to open up the, the Patriots topic, which is are they, are they a B-plus and everyone else is a C-plus? Maybe. I mean, maybe the element, you know, there's something we talked about last year is like there's no good college quarterbacks coming out anymore. And the ones who are good are immediately playing and then they get crushed and then they're not good anymore. Like some of those throws that Tannehill makes just basically, you know, on the basic athletic level, he threw some balls where you're like, this guy has incredible hand-eye coordination and he's an incredible athlete, right? Of course. He he's a, yeah. for for. But if he got sacked 50 times his first two seasons, he's not going to go anywhere. It's like you've got somebody who is destined to be a great business person, but their first two businesses just go completely under. They're going to get mentally beaten down, and they're going to start thinking that their destiny is to lose, not to win. And I think the idea that Brady somehow got to sit on that bench and and just stew over the situation over and over and over again. Although then you look at Mallet and you look at Matt Castle and they're not doing anything either. So I, I don't know. I just I it's it's a weird oh. thing. I guess I someone explain to me why these teams are so bad. Why are they so bad? 
that's, that's the million dollar question. You know, I, I just don't understand why they did it a cultural thing. Did, did they not get a, the teams to like, you know, they, they can't figure out how to get all these professionals on the same like page, you know, or there, is there no, is there not enough good leadership in the locker room? I mean, I think it boils down to some pretty basic things. I mean, even if you take the dolphins, I know they got blown out, but they had Mike Philbin or whatever his name is. Like as their coach, I mean, he was like a dead Joe. Yeah. Joe Philbin. He was like a, you know, half asleep the whole time, you know, and I think his team played that way. And then you get that, this raw, raw, like, moron in there for, you know and for a couple of games they're pretty fired up and i don't know maybe that's the change they needed and then they met the, they met their maker but you know last week on thursday but i don't it know is, i think it's a good question alice i don't know i don't know the answer it, it is incredible like there's literally like there's what seven billion people in the world and there can't be what 32 good quarterbacks or 32 good kickers or 32 good coaches or like even like a punter like how hard is it to fucking punt the ball and the yeah. Jets had to get that guy who was like hosting a podcast the week before to punt the ball and that was like that that ended up being a big part of that game was the punt game and that's the other thing about the Patriots it's like everything like they will kill you in that like if you want to play like everything if you play them so well they'll beat you on special teams like it's it's just not fair for the other teams it's it's well, really. What did I text? What did I text you the What did I text you the other night when they were playing the Dolphins? Oh, that, uh, he, yeah, he's the best punter in the league. Yeah, he is. I, I said Ryan Allen is excellent punter. That is the first time we've really seen him punt all year. But like the score ended up still being thirty six to seven. But like you know, you saw Ryan Allen like just out there, just like pinning them deep every time. You know. Right. So. We've never seen a bad punter on the Patriots in the last 15 years. If if you had three bad punting games, you would get cut, basically. And then they would just yeah. pick somebody off the scrap heap, and he would be better. <clears throat> Excuse me. What that says to me is that it's not God-given talent. It's instruction. You're instructing a punter how to move their leg, when to hit the ball out of the air, where to hit it out of their hand, where to stand, where to hold their body when the things getting snapped all these things how to angle it the strategy right there's there's let's say there's 25 things or there's 250 whatever number it is of things you need to think about when you're punting so that's a list that's a checklist that you can take that's a that's a model that's a model for a successful punter it's attention it's attention to detail so bill belichick is the only guy in the nf well he's not but he's one of seven guys the nfl who, who pays attention to that while still paying attention to whether his linebackers are, like, fast. You know, I just don't – it's, like, the same conversation over and over again. But so I, I'm, I'm producing a podcast for this professor at school, and he does one about food and one about sports. And he was a All-American lacrosse player. I think he scored the game-winning goal in the national championship in, like, the 80s. He's great. And one of his interviews with, was with Matt Stover, the guy who used to kick for the Ravens. Yeah. So I was listening to him, and now his kids play lacrosse. His kid's like an all-American lacrosse player at Johns Hopkins or someplace like that, some big school. And anyways, he was just talking about he he would he like does a camp. He would do a camp in the summer because he played for like 20 years or 15 years, and he managed to, you know, I'm sure he missed some ones, big ones, but he managed to keep himself relevant in a game of people who are, you know, constantly being shuffled around. 
So he said, I would bring college kids in and or even high school kids and they'd be like, I want to kick in the NFL. And he would just lay down the law. He'd be like, to kick in the NFL, you need to be like this height and this weight and you need to be eating this and you need to be exercising this and you need to be going to every single class and you need to be studying this. And like, he was like, it doesn't matter that you're a good athlete and then you could kick it far. It ma- because everyone else can do that. It matters that you can execute under pressure when you're on the field. So, okay, great. That's a great point of view and that would seem obvious. But that would say to you, Mike, that there are 32 people who can be great punters or great quarterbacks, but no one's showing them how. And that's where I don't get how no one is developing the coaches to be as good as the Patriots coaches are. Because Joe Philbin got hired to be the head coach of the Dolphins and he stunk. Yeah. He stunk. And Rex Ryan yeah. stinks. He stinks. Yeah. And yet ESPN spends half their NFL Sunday countdown show doing like a five-minute piece and talking about him. I mean, I guess I don't know how five You know minutes. why? You know why? No. Because ESPN stinks. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> fuck that. But so is it because they're all just making money hand over fist and it doesn't matter? Because... The, the comparison I want to make here, and then I'll let you guys chime in, is if you look at the, the World Series right now, or even if you look at the NBA, but let's just look at the World Series right now. And I haven't watched baseball this year, but I'm, you have two teams full of young talent, young guys none of us have ever heard of, good pitching, good defense, except for last night, and like streaky hitters who are coming to their own. These are people who have taught to be, to be good. This is the San Francisco Giants of four years ago. This is all these teams. This is the Red Sox maybe in two years with all these guys like, you know, Bogarts and all these Jackie Bradley Jr. and all these young guys. So what it shows you is you can bring young people in, you can teach them how to play, and they can execute. Or the NBA. I mean, I would argue that the Western Conference of the NBA has more competitive matchups on a night-to-night basis. The NFL has had in like five years. There aren't, like, even the Green Bay-Denver game tonight. Are we excited about that? No, because one of the teams has a terrible quarterback. So well, I, I just... Like to, I like to watch them fail, so I'm going to tune in that <laughs> But, I mean, you can take the fifth-best team in the NBA Western Conference playing the first-best team, and on either team there are eight great players who can execute at a high level, and the... You know, the best team wins on that night. I feel like the NFL is basically who has the least bad, not the most good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible to watch. It's like, what, like, I just, I don't understand it. Like, you see Belichick on one side, and then it's like, who's on the other side? Like, Jack Del Rio or some other idiot, like, like, Norv Turner or something. Like, you know, like, every, I'm like, he's going to kill this guy. He's in his head already. The game's already done. Like, you know? Ugh, it's crazy. North Turner. North Turner, like, how are you still employed? We've been watching you lose for 20 years, and we're only 32 years old. <laughs> Seriously. Like, what other job do you get to, like, be that shitty and just get rehired and rehired? Like, I know the, the Bengals are, are doing well this year. But what, Marvin Lewis has been the coach of that team for like 14 years and they haven't won a fucking playoff game? And he's still the coach? Are you kidding me? How does that happen? 
I think it's because I'm I'm going to I mean, I know I'm all conspiracy theory, but I think it's because everyone's making money. I mean, these NFL owners couldn't be making any more money if they tried. And maybe they can. Maybe that's why they're trying. But they're trying to make more money. But I think that's what's going to be their downfall. But they're it. The product on the field just isn't that good. There's so many penalties. There's so many drops. There's so many like defensive lapses. And then it becomes, you know, I know you guys are not with me on this, but it becomes a little bit boring to watch the Patriots oh, just beat I'm them. Saying that, yeah, it's not true. All right, all right. That's the well, best, I get, that's the best I get, part. Yeah, I get pissed off when they kick field goal, which is so weird. I'm like, think about any other team. They, they the team marches down the field and they get three points, and you're like, yes, they scored. And I'm like. That like they got a field goal bullshit. Go for it. Let's get it. Let's get it in the end zone for the Patriots. <laughs> it's because Alex, if your theory is correct, it's all about money and it's all about that stuff too. And I, I agree. It's probably from the ownership level it is, but from like a player perspective, like when Grady's down there and he's up by thirty points and he misses a read to Edelman and he gets sacked and he's like in the fourth quarter and there's no reason for him to even be in the game and he gets sacked and he's slamming the turf because he's pissed off because he misread the like the play and he didn't hit the open receiver. And then he stands back up and he chucks it on the next play for a touchdown. Like that, to me, that's the greatest. Because, I mean, just think about that. Like here's this guy who's got, he's got his whole life like just seemingly, you know, perfect but he's got his beautiful wife he makes tons of money he's the you know he's got tons of kids in new england dressing up to like be him for halloween and he's so mad after he's up 30 points that he misses an open player for a touchdown that he you know that he's slamming the turf like that that just shows you like how much better they are than everybody you know yeah it's it's amazing and just to really beat my dead horse here the so there's 250-odd people drafted every year. And when was Gostowski drafted? Ten years ago? Is that in, is that a, an estimation? Eight years ago? Uh, so he, it was, he was drafted the year that Vinatieri was let go. So how many years ago was that? I think that was 05, maybe, right? I mean, he... Yeah. I think because... Yeah, okay. So let's just say 10 years for the sake of this mathematical argument. So there have been 2,500 people drafted in a pool with Gostkowski since that time. Do you think that Belichick found the only one guy in that 2,500 who could make 450 extra points in a row? Or did he coach him to be the one guy in that 2,500 to hit 450 field goals in a row? I mean, statistics would argue that it's the second thing, not the first. So that's something you can copy. You can copy coaching. You can't copy finding a needle in a haystack. And I just feel like it is so geared towards the draft, the fantasy, the guy on paper, the Johnny Manziel. And the question was not whether Johnny Manziel could like scramble and throw a 50-yard touchdown at Texas A&M. The question was, could he listen when he was being coached? And the answer to that was resoundingly no from the time he was 16 years old and just based on his personality. So look at the result. Why are we surprised by these results? Why is anyone surprised by these results? Well, and the result is, you know, you even take a look at their secondary, which I don't, you know, I agree. I don't think 
is that good, but it's Deron Harmon, it's Devin McCourty, it's Logan Ryan. I mean, these idiots, you know, these guys played at Rutgers. You know, Rutgers is not a powerhouse football team, and yet the three of them are on the field together on an NFL level, and they're coached up to play pretty well, you know? And that Harmon interception, where that was the nicest catch of the game in the Miami game, that was 100% coaching. That was not yeah. skill. You know that they have them line up at a cone, and they're like, we're throwing 50 balls in a row to the sideline behind you, and you need to catch 30 of them right now. Yeah. So I used to, um, I used to want a, like a Patriot shirt or like a jersey that just said on the back, like, doesn't matter where the, like, the name is supposed to be. Because like, that, this was back in like 01 and 03. Like, it, it doesn't matter who the player is. They'll, they'll, they'll find a way to like, get the most out of that player. And it's incredible to watch. So I, I just thought to myself, you know, I've been going through all these emotional stages with the Patriots, and I'm, I'm in the echo chamber that is Massachusetts. I listen to bo- both sports radio uh, channels on the way to work and just hear them all blow their hot air before I get to blow mine. And I think what I've realized, even though I sort of get angry about some of the points of view and feel annoyed by some of the just oversaturation of how good they are, is... We have to recognize that this is the golden age of a sports team that we watch in our entire lifetime. This will not ever happen again. This is so unique and um, so rare. And you think about sports fans who, what New England or anywhere else, are around for so long. And this is like the Chuck Knoll, Terry Bradshaw Steelers. That, sure, Roethlisberger came around and, like, Cower came around and Jerome Bettis and Mike Tomlin is – I think Mike Tomlin – there's a good coach, Mike Tomlin. There's a good football coach that eh. – <laughs> you don't think so? Nah. He's no. A, he's, he's really dumb at the end of the game a lot of times. He makes a lot of bad decisions with play clock. And... So that basically we'll have – the Patriots will win a Super Bowl in 25 years with some guy as their quarterback and some coach as their coach – but it's just, it's never, this is like, this is Bill Russell. This is, this is Jordan, and it might even be greater than Jordan. But I mean, I think this is Jordan and uh, Phil Jackson, basically. And I yeah. think, I think we got to soak it up. I mean, I think we just have to be like so glad that it's here because we're in it. It's, ne- it's only going to look this good once we're out of it. But we're here right now, and this is how good it is. Yep. Yeah. I appreciate it. Like we, I mean, we've been saying this for how many years now? Like we've been waiting for this to end for a long time. I think, you know, I've been, I remember back in like, Oh eight, I was like, God, how are they ever going to get back to the Super Bowl after this or whatever? And they just, they're, they're so good. Now they have the youngest team in the league basically. And they're like, they're only going to get better. Brady's going to play. You know, he's had 10 years. He's going to play another five years maybe. You know, it's, it's, it's incredible. So yeah. Do you think he'll – I think he'll finally quit when he just has like a uh, – I think he's just going to have to get carted off the field. I think he's going to like – someone's going to explode his knee and then, and then he's going to be like, I can't do it anymore. Because I just don't see – if he, he doesn't re- – like is he going to stop being able to throw well? I mean how hard is it to throw a football if you're like working out 365 days a year? 
Well, it's crazy because like all, all those old players, like I remember when like John getting up there and whatever, and they were like, you know, I would love to keep playing football, but it gets, it gets that much I have to work that much harder and work that much more commitment or whatever. What did John Alloway do? Sorry. I was that me? No. I, I, I don't want to talk about it. Hold. <laughs> Is Baker there? Stay on hold. We got it together. Hold on. Alright, we're back. I hate myself. God damn it. That was fucking gold. <laughs> okay, get, get into shape. The keywords were there. Get into shape. Back into shape. Instead yeah. Of staying in shape. But I don't know what you were going to say, Mike. No, but like, my point is that like, yes, that's it. And like, Brady just loves that aspect. He loves waking up every single morning and eating fucking grass and working out for seven hours. So there's no end in sight. Like, he will keep doing this, and he'll only just play as long as he can. Yeah, it's all about the process. It's crazy. It's just, it's not really... Because you think about it... Like, he he's won, he's won four Super Bowls, and he's completely unsatisfied. It's going to be a tough retirement for this guy. Yeah. Like, what... I mean, unless he has some sort of crazy, I don't know, like, guru that allows him to, like, find happiness, total happiness and consciousness. But it seems like he exists on Earth to play football. So, I don't... Wouldn't it be be so awesome to find something that you could be that passionate about? I know. God, fuck. I I mean, I I spent the last... I don't know, 10 years of my life, like, focused on a, a goal to reach. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately, um, just that whole process of things and, like, not taking for granted, like, the moment that you're in. And I think that's, like, it goes to your point, Alex, about the Patriots. Like, you know, I, I kind of, for a long time, just took the Patriots for granted. Like, just, oh, they're going to win, and I'm, I can't wait to watch them. And not enjoying, like, every single play and every snap and, like, the appreciation for what they do. And I think that relates a lot to, like, my life on a grander scheme because, like, you know, I've, like, I'm out here in Rochester just, like, kind of biding my time until I can kind of get back to the East Coast and seemingly, like, get my life started. But the reality is is that I'm living my life right now. And, like, you know, you need to, like, wake up every day and, like, be like, man, I'm glad to be, like, able to do the things that I do every day and like take some pride in it. And if you can, I mean, I think that's what, what they do, you know, and that's why they're so successful, you know? Yeah. I wish I had like something like the Patriots. I wish I worked for some organization where I wanted to wake up and I like had like that whole thing of like working and like trying to work as hard as you can because you have all these other people depending on you. And then, having some like payoff, like, you know, you go out, you play a game and then it's done and it's over and you get to like celebrate with everyone, you know? And it's just like, look at all this fucking work we did all week. And this is where it paid off. Like, that's what I want in my life. Oh, so depressing. This conversation. (laughs)
just it's like what Bill Belichick says. You know, it's so funny. Everyone has the point of view of him that they do, and that's fine. And but you know, in those interviews where somebody gets him sat down and he opens up a tiny bit, and they're like, "Whoa." Well, not only that, but they're just like, uh, um, he says, I would never, I'm so happy I found football. I don't know what else I would do. You know, going to a a job I didn't like every day is my worst nightmare. And I don't understand how people do it. And I feel so like lucky to have something that I love doing every day because I never don't like doing it. And Mm -hmm. you think about his disposition when he's getting interviewed or on the sideline it doesn't mean you have to be like the candy man giving away candy all day and like be like, Hey kids, life is great. He's like constantly seeing imperfections. He's constantly improving. He's constantly working harder, but it's part of a larger process of, well, it's just a larger process that he loves being inside of. And I also think there's a huge lesson there when, you know, people are, you see just, basic archetypes and culture whether it's somebody you know or in a movie or book or whatever and they're like he's a workaholic and he's always crazy and it's like those people like being in that position that's why they're there and i think some of the frustration i have with our generation is actually not necessarily that you always have to be working but people are like chill out man like take a break and like have a good time and it's like i have a good time when i'm doing the things i like to be doing like mike for you it's clearing your land you know? Yeah. It's like, that's you. We could find plenty of people who, if they were there with you, if they could teleport to Chile and like go for a day, they'd be like, how long are we going to do this for after like 45 minutes, you know? And you would be like all day. Cause this is what I like to do, you know? And, right. and so I think that's, you're, you know, I don't know. I said, you know, 50 times got to work on that. Um, it is frustrating to not know what that thing is. And I think it is a failure of our education as children a little bit that we were told we could do anything. And therefore we have no idea what we're supposed to do. And I think that there were probably even people who were forced into a life of being a blacksmith or of running a business or of delivering bread, but they were able to limit themselves from thinking what else they could be doing and therefore they found the happiness in what they were doing right then and there and that's another aspect of this always thinking about what else you could be doing if you weren't doing this right well i don't i don't know i don't know if it's a failure of our education it's more of like a product of our success as a culture or a society in general that we are able to even have those options like you go around the world and like people don't have the option to like run up four hundred thousand dollars student debt or or do like whatever it is like have a million different people who are successful in their own right whether it be because their families have money or they were really successful in business or whatever and then tell their kids like do what makes you do your passion and you'll be successful like to a certain degree I, i hate that statement because like the reality is is that people have to work you know and they have to work hard and you can't get around that fact, you know? And I think that as a result of people being told that you can just do what you like, you know, you have, you have what results from it. So it is totally off, but 
No, you're not totally off. I no. was just waiting for Mike to talk. No, I, I, I had something I wanted to say, and I forgot what it was. <laughs> well, Mike, do you think you've succeeded in sort of at least some of the parts of what you wanted to do because you, like, moved to a place that's your own and you find exciting? Yeah, well, I mean, it's just, it's weird, like, you know, for for so many years, people would be like, you know, you, I'd be, like, at, like, a wedding, like, we are at Dave's wedding or something, and be like, oh, what do you do, like, what do you do, what do you do, and I would say, like, oh, yeah, like, I live in Chile, like, you know, and that's not, like, that's not, like, a job or a career or something, it's, like, <laughs> that would, that would be what I would say, and um, the truth is that, like, being here is great, but the novelty of living in another country wears off pretty quickly if you don't have something that you like. So, um, Oh, this is what I was going to say. So yeah, getting back to that, like aspect of, um, like wanting to do something else. I, I knew it was time to leave my job at the school here because like I would walk to school every day and I would see other people waking up and like starting their job and I'd be like, oh, my God, I wish I could be that guy. Like, oh, look, like, he's going in. He just has to, like, make bread, and that's that's all he does today. Or that guy, like, works at the hardware store, and he just has to open it up and, like, talk to people about tools all day. Like, oh, man, that's an incredible job. And it's just like that. It's just like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I got to get out of here. And now, like, the best part of my life is that I've found a job that I love and, I, and like, I truly love that gives me the freedom to also do what I really want to do, which is go out and be a hermit on my land, basically. Um, so I found a good thing and I need that balance. And I think what kind of sucks a lot of times about um, the States and everything is that like you do have all those debts, you do have all these things you have to pay for you do. So you just have to work a lot harder um, and, and commit to something that maybe you're not a hundred percent into. Um, and I don't know if I'm making sense, but that's like, that's something that for me, I don't think I could ever do that. Like I could never be $400,000 in debt because I would never pay that off. <laughs> that would never get paid off. So, um, for me, it's, it's just weird, but, um, I guess I'm saying like, I like what I'm doing now. Um, and, I don't know. I'm happy that I have my free time, too. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense. And I, 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 it's almost like you went on a quest to find – you almost went in a time machine to a place where people weren't all talking about what college they were going to get into and what job they were going to get and where they were flying to for the weekend. And it was a much if, – if the people you're looking at going to work are baking bread and working at the hardware store, which is happening everywhere, but those are – noble jobs and those are jobs that people are just doing it becomes a lot easier to sort of settle into a routine where you're just living life right then and there and not always searching for what your life will be once you do x y and z and so i think right. you kind of surrounded yourself in a community that allows you to maybe just square with the proposition that is life in a little, in a way that is a little easier for you. So, I mean, that's also what moving to Bend, Oregon did for me, or, you know, you look at a lot of places. I mean, certainly that's not what business school is, but I did have an, a super interesting point by our accounting professor on the third or fourth day of classes. 
in in the first semester where all these people are thinking about how much money they're going to make and what are they going to do and if they can figure out how to do all this accounting they can you know make millions of dollars for giant corporations and he's like look this what this accounting you know formula we're looking at shows you is it doesn't matter how much revenue you make as long as your costs are low so you're all worried about how much money you're going to make, but if you're living in New York City and have an apartment and have giant taxes, then who cares? You're not making as much. You could live in Chile and make relatively more money every day if you wanted to, as long as you've got it all lined up in a way where your costs are much smaller than your income. So, I mean, like Baker, for you, you got 400 grand in debt, but if you can pay that off, you can figure out a way to. You don't need to make four hundred thousand dollars a year the rest of your life. You only need to make it until you pay the debt off. You know. Well, and then, yeah, you know, you look at some of these like gigantic dental practices, right? Which are kind of the new, the new wave of, of things, and how the business model is, and all the advertising money they spend. And the reality is, it's like, and they've got like twelve assistants, and everybody's bragging about how many chairs they have and how many people they can pump through the office in a day. What my opinion like you could have a single doctor and you could have two you know assistants helping you and you could have three chairs and you could have like two like really highly trained front desk and your overhead could be you know 50 percent and instead of 70 percent because you know a lot of the costs come down to like assistance and how and personnel and how expensive that is to maintain and then you don't have as much pressure to produce all the time and you could spend more quality time with like the patient and like, you know, that whole like idea of blending like this, like trying to make it this business, like to the point where it's just cranking all the time. You kind of lose the enjoyment out of like having a personal interaction with, you know, some say Hanover high school kid that you know, is playing soccer instead of asking him what he's doing and how the season's going. You're like next, you know? Right. Oh, so, well, this is what I want to do. I just want to podcast all day. So I'm I'm pitching on Friday. I'm pitching my idea for my like what I'm calling right now the local food network, which is basically a multimedia content company that teaches people how to cook with local and seasonal food all year round. So it'd be like videos, podcasts, blogs, recipes. That's just like okay, it's March and I'm in Minnesota. Like, what food can I cook with? that was grown around here and how can I make a delicious meal out of it? So I think my quest is to somehow just like spit my opinion for a living and get paid for that. Hence the name of the website, talkforaliving.com. Good plug. Thanks. Um, all right. Well, we've certainly gone deep here, uh, which I love. This is one of our best podcasts yet. Um, how are we going to tie this up into a neat bun? One thing, um, hmm. Oh, well, I will say this. Uh, I was the, I was the lion for, on Friday for Halloween from Wizard of Oz. And did you see what Brady's costume was last night? No. Was what he... was it? He was the lion also. Uh, soul Kindred, Kindred spirits. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the picture of Belichick on Main Street in Nantucket with that kid dressed up as Brady? Yeah, that was yeah. cool. 
He was, because they have the weekend off, so he must have gone to Nantucket, and he was just walking around like jeans and a Navy hat, and some kid was dressed up like, Mikey kind of looked like you, full-on, like, helmet pads, <laughs> just walking around, and he got a picture with Belichick, and Belichick had a big smile on his face, so that was cool. Um, Mike, one idea I had that I told Chris is that uh, we could start watching the 2001 season and just kind of revisit when Brady first came in and just watch every game and then have a quick check-in about those games as part of a podcast topic. I love that. I was thinking, like, I wanted to go back and watch a game from, like, the mid-'90s and just see what it, what it was like. No, but, no, but Baker, like, there's less flags. There's, like, less, you know, like – just like to look at like like a receiver running and the cornerback just getting up in his face and that being completely legal, I think that would be cool to see. And so I I, I love that idea. Two thousand one, let's we, do it. If we started now, by the time Brady retires, we could have watched every single game of his year or of his, of his career, and we would like sort of dovetail the entire thing back together, and we would be able to we would be the experts on Brady's career above everyone else on the internet. Love it. Do I that. love that. I mean, that's yeah. how that's how Send to get me some... the first box set. Exactly. <laughs> People can buy 18 hours of us talking. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, another titillating game next week: the Washington Redskins at home. Uh huh. Wow. I I'm sure Kirk Cousins will have a great game plan schemed up to beat the Pats. Probably better than RG three. We might see RG three. We could see a quarterback injury in this game. Hopefully yeah. Not yeah. So hey, no. So they it's Washington, and then I think they play the Giants the week after that, right? Or is do they play? Yeah. Some, yeah. Yeah. Giants. Giants. Is that a Sunday night game or something like that? Yeah, another night game. So Mike, you don't have you don't have daylight savings in Chile, making you guys even no. more, even more obscure. So what time is it there now? Five in the afternoon. No, it's it's twelve fifty. So what was the Jets game with the night game? Yeah. And I like I sat there with a bottle of Diet Coke trying to stay up the entire time and I like I couldn't do it. I was falling asleep. And now it's going to be even a fu- like another hour later. This is bullshit cuz I have to wake up the next day. I get up at like 5:30 in the morning to start teaching. So this is like horrible. It fucks up my entire day when they play those night games. Why don't you just, what, can you tape it? Can you watch a replay with your package? Why not just watch it after school? It's not like anyone's going to meet you on the street and tell you about the score. No, but it's like, it's. I've tried it before and it's, it's just hard to get into the internet and not see the score and get to the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love, That's I love, that. Hard. I love that statement. Get into the internet. <laughs> It's like the Matrix. Yeah, exactly. It's hard for me to get into the internet. Climb right in there. You could get Rocio to set it up for you. Oh my God, she would never be able to do that. Um, Well, yeah, but I'll I'll figure out something. But no, I'm just gonna watch the games, and I'll just—it doesn't matter. I'll just complain about it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm afraid to click off my computer screen because that's what made our screw-ups happen both time. But I, I think there's this game and then there's the – I think there's the – well, there's the Denver game as a Monday night game. But I think that that's it, right? I don't think – I think these are the last two night games. Is that true? No. There's – wait. I got it right Monday, here. <clears throat> Monday night game. 
They'll probably got, flex one. So no, no, no. Look at this. Okay, so it's yeah. Redskins is 1 p.m. Giants is uh, afternoon game 4:25, and then it's the Bills and the Broncos are both night games. But that's it. So there's two more. So that's not that bad. Oh, and the Giants game is a 4:30 game. Yeah. All right. For me, it's 6:30. All right. That's yeah. That's not great, but. All right. Well, I mean, I think you know, no, no predictions, but I think they'll probably win against the Redskins. Yeah. Uh, why wouldn't they? <laughs> that was a joke. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think it shows you how good Tom Coughlin is that he beat Belichick twice in the Super Bowl. I will say that as kind of a coda to our coach conversation. I know that he has a lot of like losing teams, but. I do think that there's something to be said for that. I know they were freak plays, but I just if like if you're take if you're talking about Dan Campbell or Rex Ryan or you know all these guys that are coaching these teams you've never heard of, Jay Gruden. I mean Coughlin at least stands over those guys. Yeah, yeah I, get it, yeah. I hope they kick the shit out of them. That's in that's in New York, so I, that's York. a that's an exciting game. Yeah, yeah, the Giants fans are going to be tuned up for that one. I was going to try and go to that with Tobin, see what how that works out. All right, guys. Well, this has been Golden Pod. I really appreciate it. I think we're getting into midseason form here, November first. Um, plenty more. To I think t- we're I think we're freshest in the morning. I think that's the best time. All right, I got. We got to go. Great job. Have a good Sunday, and we'll talk early next week. All right. All right. right. Love you guys. Adios. Bye. Thanks for listening to Landline. Check out more episodes at www.talkforaliving.com. Find us on iTunes. Find us on SoundCloud. Find us on talkforaliving.com. I am your host, Alex McKay. Music by John Lucy and the Pitchfork Revolution. Mike is in Chile. Chris is in Rochester, New York. They don't want you to find them. More episodes coming up. Not always with these guys. So if you didn't like them, try the next one. All right. Hope you're having a good time out there. Talk to you later. Adios.